A reading from the 18th chapter of the Gospel according to Matthew, beginning with the 21st verse. Then Peter came and said to Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions, and payment to be made. So the slave fell on his knees before him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of that slave released him and forgave him the debt. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, Pay what you owe. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And well, here's one of the problems with that. Because it's the Word of God, it makes us uncomfortable. Because it sounds hard, doesn't it? When I read that text this week and think about it, my mind goes to those places where I still harbor things against people. Did yours? Did you think about someone that you haven't quite yet forgiven for something in your life? Or maybe something that you hold against somebody, but you say, oh no, I've forgiven them. I'm just never going to talk to them again. (laughs) Oh, I can forgive, but I don't have to forget. No. (laughs) Doesn't work that way. Forgiveness is about reconciliation and being joined to someone and that's what makes it so terribly, terribly hard. 
<laughs> what makes Jesus in this place has gone from what somebody told Jerry Phillips one time, Jerry, you've gone from preaching to meddling. I was at that table when she said that. I thought that was funny. Y'all didn't think that was funny? It was pretty funny. I read a, I've been reading this book here called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. It, it's, it's something I'm required to read for the Reynolds program that the church has sent me to. And in this book, he tells a story that relates to people developing core values for their organization. And I think Jesus is telling us that one of the core values for our organization, for who we are together, because Christ has organized us into a people, right? And one of the key values for us as an organized people of Christ is forgiveness. He makes that pretty plain, I think. Y'all agree? There's no way for us to get around that. We can't say, but Lord, but, but, but no. Your Heavenly Father has forgiven you. You will forgive. It's pretty plain. There's no way to change the language. There's no way to finesse it. And this guy tells a story about an airline that decided one of its core values was humor. So they didn't have, hire anybody that didn't have a good sense of humor. And one day on a particular flight, someone got angry with the flight attendant because they didn't appreciate her sense of humor. And they wrote the CEO a letter about it and basically said, if you don't fire her, I'll never fly on your plane again. And because the core value of that organization was humor, the CEO sent that customer a letter and said simply three words, we will miss you, four words. We will miss you. That is how important that core value was to that airline. The core value of humor. How important is this core value that Jesus lifts up to us, forgiveness, to us? Is it something that is necessary for a follower of Jesus? There's no way to interpret what Jesus has said as a no answer to that question. And that's what makes it uncomfortable. Because we want to be forgiven and just hate everybody else. <laughs> I don't want to like her. She did something to me. I don't want to forgive her. And so it opens up. What is the possibility of forgiveness? That's what Peter wants to know. Lord, if a church member, if a brother... If a brother sins against me, how many times should I forgive? Seven, that's enough, right, Jesus? Because seven is a holy number. And Jesus replies, no, 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 70 times seven or 77, depending on which version of the Bible you read. And he said, Peter, perfection, perfect forgiveness. And Peter's question to Jesus could very well be our own question. Lord, how many times must I forgive that jerk? They do this over and over to me. And somewhere out of the corner of our minds, maybe we can hear the Apostle Paul reply to us from last week, Oh, no one anything except love. Remember that? Oh, no one anything except love. Except to love one another. As we question Jesus, Lord, how many times should I forgive? We can hear Paul in the back of our minds saying, Oh, no one anything except to love them. And in defense of our dignity, we shout back to Paul exactly what the jerk deserves as payment for what the jerk did to us, right? 
We start to defend ourselves when we hear this horrible call to forgiveness. But Lord, you know I was right. And Paul reminds us of what we read last week in chapter 12. When he says, if it's possible, so far it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And then Paul tells us, if your enemy, that person who's done something to you is hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. How dare he? Doesn't he know that we reserve the right to forgive or not? How dare the apostle tell us that we must live out this teaching of Jesus? Well, because Jesus is God. And what Jesus thinks about forgiveness is more important than what we think about it. I remember one Sunday I preached a sermon that I just knew was going to make this one particular person really angry. She was one of those people who was at a certain age where they become completely unable to not be obstinate. You know what I mean? If you don't, it's okay. I don't want to make you mad either. She was one of those typical little old ladies of the church that people talk about. One of those people who could hold a grudge five miles wide. And I just knew that what I was preaching about that Sunday, she was going to think was about her. I just knew it. I, there's just no way around it. And I remember actually thinking about saying something different so I wouldn't have to challenge her in public. <laughs> because that's how she was going to perceive it. I was convinced that at the end of that service, I was going to get chewed out for airing her laundry. One of the funniest things that ever happened to me happened to me that day after the service. I was standing there greeting people. God bless you. How are you? Thank you for the sermon. Thank you. And dreading her getting in line, right? And I looked down the line and here she comes. And I couldn't read her face. But here she comes and she gets to me and, and she walks up to me and I braced myself for the tongue lashing that was coming, right? I just knew it was coming. And she... She was just like that. So I was all prepared to just say, thank you, bless your heart, you know. Because bless your heart is southern code for I don't care what you say, right? Y'all know that. Um, and, you know, I hope that the storm passed quickly. Well, she gets to me, and I tensed up. I, just, I felt my whole body tense up. And I gave her my hand and shook her hand. And she looked at me and said, she said, you sure told them, preacher. I said, What? You sure told them. They needed to hear that. Oh, Lord. And I suspect that the same way that today, dear ones, this text comes limping into our presence. This hard saying of Jesus comes into our presence because somebody here needs to hear it. That's how the Spirit works. And it might be every last one of us that needs to hear Jesus say to us, forgive, 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 forgive. There's no limit on it. There's no end to it because there's no limit or end to what you have been forgiven for. It is the core value of the church. It is something that we cannot let go of. 
It is central to our relationship with God that we have been forgiven through faith in Christ. How dare we then refuse to forgive someone else? How do we dare do that? And our answer is because we want to. (laughs) If we're honest. Jesus' words should make us uncomfortable. How can we get in touch with the possibility of doing something that is central to who we are, but yet is so hard to do? It's tempting just to tone it down and flip over into Romans or flip over into some book and say, but Paul says we're saved by grace, so no matter how many times we mess up, God will forgive us and all this. But you know what? Jesus is telling us pretty plainly that if we walk through this life refusing to forgive others, guess what? You won't be forgiven either. And I'm just not going to wet Jesus' words and make them go down easier. That's what the Lord says to us today. And we just prayed the same thing. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Hmm. How might we get more in touch with the possibility that we can learn to forgive? It seems to me that what Jesus is trying to do is remind us of the staggering debt that we've been forgiven for. The debt that has been forgiven us. He seems to be trying to get us to connect that with this extreme hyperbole. This uh, person named Charlotte Cleghorn said this about Jesus' story. The story opens with the Lord demanding repayment from a slave for an absurdly large amount of money. 10,000 talents does not mean just 10,000 talents since both 10,000 and the word talents serve in Greek as the largest possible number. So Jesus is saying 10,000 of the largest possible number. It reminds me of when my brother and I were yelling at each other when we were kids. and said, well, I hate you gazillion times. And he said, I hate you five bazillion million times, right? And you just start making up zillion numbers and illion numbers trying to get a bigger number. Well, we've reached the end of it, Jesus says. We have reached the end of it. No matter how many times someone sins against you, you will forgive because of what you have been forgiven. Let me tell you a story. You say, dang it, Lord. Why couldn't it have been nine times? Or ten? Or eleven? Why infinity? And as I argue with it, I can almost hear Jesus saying to me, David, how can you refuse to forgive an offense so small when I have forgiven you so, so, so very much? How can you refuse to forgive such a small offense given all I have forgiven you for? And that's the crux, dear one. I don't think Jesus is trying to use hell or fear to motivate us in and of itself. But that's certainly in the story, isn't it? It says torment. And that's scary. But that's not how he starts the story. He starts the story about the grace of God. 
the absurd grace of God. We could play on fear. We could play on the consequences of not forgiving one another and just scare each other into doing it. But what would be the value in that? Would that build community? Would it change our hearts? It seems really what the focus that Jesus has is the absurd initial grace of that Lord. To forgive a debt so incredibly large, all because the slave asked him to. Nothing in return could the slave offer the Lord. But just asked him, pleaded with him. And his Lord forgave his debt. One person said this, This grace renders obscene the actions of the unforgiving slave who having been forgiving an impossible debt seizes his fellow slave by the throat and demands repayment of a minuscule one. That's the moment at which we readers are probably shaking our heads and saying, ridiculous, impossible, how could anyone do such a thing? And you might have felt yourself reacting to that story as well. But if we're honest with ourselves, isn't there something that we're carrying that we have refused to forgive someone for? And usually we drag it up when we're in an argument with that person, right? And we say, that's fine, because 20 years ago you didn't take my dog out when I asked you to. And so now I'm going to plunge this big dagger in your neck. That's what we do. And Jesus is saying, that's not my core value. And if you're going to follow me, that can't be your core value. If you're going to follow me, your core value is love and forgiveness. And that, dear ones, is challenging to me. And I honestly hope that it's challenging to you. And there's one other thing that might bring us to that possibility of forgiveness. Just remembering Paul's words that we don't owe each other vengeance. We owe each other to love one another. That is our Lord's command. We don't owe each other repayment for what we do wrong to each other. We owe each other love. And lastly, there was a fellow named Alexander Pope who said this thing that stuck in the human lexicon like Everybody's heard it. I bet you've heard it. To err is human to forgive is to err is human to forgive is divine. In the twelfth chapter of his book of Romans, Paul tells us that our minds are being transformed by the Lord. That as we yield our lives to Christ, He's changing our minds and our hearts. In the second epistle of Peter, Peter is so bold as to say that we are receiving the divine nature in ourselves. We're being remade into the likeness of Christ. That's what God is at work doing in us. It isn't just about setting us free from hell and death. It's about changing us now. Jesus is at work in us, changing us now. Making us into what we think we can't be. Even people who forgive. He's at work in us. 
And the possibility of forgiveness then grows in us. And your pastor believes that the more we're in love with Jesus, the more it becomes impossible for us not to love others. The more we're in love with Jesus and in touch with how much we've been forgiven for through Jesus, the more impossible it becomes for us to condemn and judge others for small things they've done to us. Or even for large things. The more we become like Christ the more we're set free from preserving our dignity as the most important thing in our life. And the more willing we are to say to someone, I forgive you. So I ask you, dear ones, are you in touch with what God has done for you? Do you value the forgiveness that you have received? If so, then Jesus' story should show you how absurd it is that we would turn around and not forgive someone else. Last week, I shared with you a, a little poem and prayer thing that I wrote as I was struggling with last week's text when Paul told me that I didn't owe anybody anything but to love them. And I'm thinking, sure I do, Paul. I can think of other things I'd like to do to at least one person. And now today, Jesus tells me, David, you are to forgive. It is not optional. And I realize that my resistance to that is a holdover of the spirit of death in me. And the spirit of sin in me. It's certainly not a product of the spirit of Christ in me. And so I I realize today that I long to be more free to forgive. I long for forgiveness to be my core value. And I hope you do too. And I wrote this little thing and I shared it with you last week. I'm going to share it with you again. It's a prayer. It says, I love you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are my heart. I want to follow you in all things, O Lord. Draw me apart. Separate me from my guilt, my sin, my harm. To self, to some, to same. Sweet, sweet Lord, let nothing of death remain. I gave you the opportunity to pick some of these up last week and pray that prayer with me. I'm going to give you that chance again. Because dear one, if you are unable to forgive someone, it's not because you have the right to decide to do that. It's because you're struggling against the Spirit of God and being disobedient. So says our Lord. And I'd invite you to pick one of these up and pray it with me this week. So that you might be conscious of your need for Christ to draw you apart from sin and death. Because a refusal to forgive. A refusal to forgive. is a complete lack of acknowledgement of what we have been forgiven. Also, if you just want a copy and you're not struggling with forgiving someone, 
they'll be here, right here on the rail for you. But I would invite you today, dear ones, to take seriously Jesus' call to forgiveness. It's not optional. But it is possible. Through Christ and what He is doing for us, there is the possibility of forgiveness. Both for our own sins and our forgiveness of the sins that others have done to us. My prayer is that you will struggle with that this week. And invite the Lord to search your heart. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.